0: Joined by Adam Rooney. Adam, thanks very much for coming on, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Thanks. Finally you got me on. It's been a while. Trying to get the time with the three kids, so finally got started.
1: Borderline harassment charges on me, I think. Been bugging <laughs> me for the last seven months.
0: We got there in the end.
1: I know. Right, right, we'll start off with a quick fire question, put you under a bit of pressure for the start. No worries. So your go to karaoke song?
0: Oh well, initiation song I usually do is um Wild Rover. It's the only one I know the world So I'm not the best singer and I'm a, not a great entertainer, so I just stick to the most boring song I know and sing that.
1: <laughs> your best mate in football.
0: Oh, um got a few, I'm quite close to Johnny Hayes and Richie Far and obviously from your time at Inverness and in Aberdeen. Rory Gaffney very close with him. Keith Fatty from time at Blues Um don't know, I'm gonna cause trouble here for pick one. Um I'll say Probably Rory Gaffney or Keith right?
1: Your worst roommate for an away game?
0: Oh, worst roommate? Oh, Johnny Hayes. Johnny Hayes? Why Great for getting to sleep. He just talks nonsense. He <laughs> doesn't ever shut up. So. Mumbles. Johnny Mumbles, we call him. can never
1: understand them. The biggest character that you've played with and the first story that comes to your mind about them?
0: Oh, biggest character?
1: Um... Oh.
0: Probably, probably Paul Quinn. Uh, Quinn, even when he was, at, um, Aberdeen was madman. Great crack, like, great fella, great lad, but just, I always remember him. <laughs> He's just always nuts around the place. I remember him coming in one day and I think he might have been half hung over after, uh, and I think we got beaten by Vanessa home or something. I think he was half hung over the next day and he came in, I think he nicked one of the boys' clothes and wore them home. Uh, <laughs> I think it actually might have been Johnny, Kenny McLean's clothes he nicked. How can you left <laughs> The
1: best stadium that you've played at
0: Um, atmosphere was the loudest I've been in is probably Ibrox.
1: Um, it. That was
0: probably when I was at yeah. Probably when, Aberdeen was always great atmosphere there. Ibrox that was in terms of atmosphere and loudness. Celtic Park, unbelievable stadium. But um, in terms of actual best stadium, probably the had. But in terms of atmosphere that I've actually experienced is probably Ibrox. The best player that you've
1: played against?
0: Uh, Van Dyke's an easy one to say, isn't he? I played against like um Gerard, Lampard, then but in terms of up against an actual centre back, Van Dijk, when he was at Celtic, he's just yeah, he's just a man mountain, quick, strong. All the things I'm not um good on the ball. Yeah, he was a, he was he was top notch.
1: Could you tell that he was going to go to that level at that at that stage or not?
0: probably not to go on and be the best center back in the world. Like, but yeah, he was he was just something else. Like he just he used to just play on whoever's his partner, I used to play on him. Um, because it just there's no point in going over and like he's too quick, he's too strong. He's comfortable on the ball. The only thing he didn't think he was great at doing was defending crosses because he just picks his space. I think even now you didn't mind playing the box against him because he wouldn't mark you He wouldn't get hold of you, just kind going let you go. Yeah. to get a move off the back of him I think he just has it in his head he's just that big and strong he just picks a space in the box even if you watch him now he still does it he just picks up that front space in the six yard box and just covers the whole area he doesn't actually mark players so he wasn't great that side of it but like in terms of everything else he's just yeah never fancied really going up against him to be honest the favourite goal that you've scored uh, Penos obviously don't count it was me penals against him in the cup, I knew you know you were going um, to try and say that yeah I had an overhead against Oldham for Swindon once. I, probably anyone that's watched me has seen a try an overhead every game. So uh, I've had one in my career go in as it yeah. was up there. But uh, no, my volley against St. Johnson, I think. Scored a volley against St. Johnson for Aberdeen. Mark Reynolds hooked the ball up the pitch. I think Goody flicked it on and I managed to hit one. I don't really score from outside the box. So when I do,
1: I remember it. The best five a side team of players you've played with and why. Feel free to include yourself if you want.
0: Um probably wouldn't make a five or side so team. on the strain with me knows that. Um keeper, possibly that Ben Foster. Is that Blues at Birmingham? Ben Foster was very, very good. He was he was another man, man he's huge. People don't realise how big he is and how wide he is, trying to put ball past him. He'd have to be in goal. Um I think at the back he would put the back. Um possibly Michael Dealbury. Really, Michael David was a young lad coming through. Stoke, he was uh, obviously experienced ex-Chelsea, very experienced player. Obviously, he went up to Scotland for a while, but he was a um, great lad coming through. And he needed a defender. He was fairly solid for Stoke back in the day. He was probably an really animal. of Yeah, when he was up in Scotland, he probably getting on a bit. But like, uh, back in his day, he was, he was some player. Uh, midfield, I'd probably have uh, Lee Hendry. He was, um, he was at Stoke. When he's on L at time he's probably the best 5 side so player I've ever actually seen in training. He was an absolute disgrace. He was so good. No, we gonna him. Really? Whoever was on the team won. Have him in the middle with James Madison. I think everyone knows who that is. Um Madison's the best player I've ever actually played with in terms of stability and, and technique and everything he has that goes with it. He'd be in it and then I'm trying to think who the forward would be. Definitely wouldn't be me. Um I'd probably play, who would have put up front? Uh, Ricardo Fuller. That's show. Well. Ricardo Fuller was a beast. He was so quick, his feet were a joke. He used to just chop people in training. He'd have keepers sitting down and chipping the ball over there. He was so good, so strong, great, so quick. Yeah, I was, he was brilliant, yeah. He was so good and a brilliant guy, great guy as well. So, uh, yeah, back. that'd be, I, I wouldn't make the team. I thought you'd be good in five. But, I wouldn't even make the bench. Well, if you just let me stand in the box, it'll be all right. But <laughs> you have to do a bit of running around, if I ever said.
1: Let's get into it, mate. Let's start off. Your memory, football memories?
0: Earliest. Yeah. Just playing back in Dublin with my brother, really, my older brother. He's four and a half, five years older than me. And just always remember when I was even seven, eight years old, I was always playing with him and his mates in the street. Um, it's probably helped me going up to, to play against the lads and stuff. But yeah, no, he used to always just play football Then was decent when I was a young kid. I used to be actually very quick, believe it or not. Um, but uh, now I used to just play out there growing up as a kid and, and just playing on the street every day, out in the park all, all the time, playing football.
1: And obviously I ended up getting picked up by Stoke. See, over in Dublin and Ireland, Ireland in general, is the mentality of young players always to try and get out of England?
0: Yeah, everyone that plays football over Ireland as a young lady you want to go to England. It's actually got more difficult now since Brexit because lads have to be 18 before they can come over, whereas when I'd grown up, as 15, 16 clubs were signing them. I was actually late coming over. I was 17, I turned 17, finished my education. And I probably thought I'd missed the boat in terms of getting across to England. Um, Because most of the lads who were good at my age group had gone away to clubs, they'd gone to Leeds, the Nationals, the likes of them, they'd all gone away. There was probably 15, 20 lads who'd got moves across the UK. And, and I hadn't, so I probably thought I was going to miss it. But then luckily enough, I, I managed to get across and get a couple of trials and, and do well. What Was Tony Pulis like back then? Tony only came in. So my first year there was a guy called Johan Boskamp, Dutch guy, and he had brilliant loved young lads like loved um, loved attitude and good and showed any kind of desire, hard work around the place and good attitude, he give you a chance. So in my first year there, broke in and done very well. Got a hat-trick last day of the season when it's just turned, literally just turned 18, got a hat-trick in the championship. And that was the last day of the year. And Boxcom said, listen, go home, have a good summer. Next year, you're going to play loads, loads of football for me. So I was buzzing obviously, went away. And then two weeks later, I think, um, Peter Coates bought the club, sacked the manager and Brian that Tony Pulis, who is notorious for not exactly wanting young lads. He wanted experienced lads, physical big lads. And, and to be fair, he done an unbelievable job for the club, what he'd done with the club. But, he, yeah, he wants hard work. He wants lads that are fit and run all day, big physical boys who can about the pitch and me at 18 definitely wasn't that um so it was a bit of a setback in terms of my development at that age but then uh, now listen you can't knock tony for what you done for that football club it's unbelievable to get that stoke into the premier league and do so well for so many years it was a brilliant achievement but in terms of a young lad there it, it, it didn't suit that because i'd obviously come back expecting to get loads of game time and i went from starting games at the end of the championship my first year to maybe scraping the bench and getting on for five or ten minutes here at the end of the game, just so because, and to be honest, most of the time we got on is because the crowd used to chant me name. <laughs> it was very popular at Stoke as a young lad because of how well it done me for a year, so I think fans used to chant my name to get me on if we are looking for a goal late on, so I think without that I probably wouldn't have made the pitch, but... Yeah, now Tony was was hard work on him. pre-season was tough. It was like proper old school running. It was a very difficult, more of a mental thing than it was. It was just to really test lads and see how they were. So it's good for me as a young lad to to have that side because going forward, then I'd other managers who liked a bit of running. I don't think anyone ever topped them. Tony Peel this session. So it's good. It's good for going forward in the career.
1: And after a few loan moves, you ended up coming up to ness relegated in the first season you must be thinking trapped up in Inverness what am I doing here man?
0: Yeah because when I first got on um, Beulis was actually trying to get me out on loan and I was like i was, oh, he had in my head as naive I was thinking I'm going to force myself into this team here and then we went down and spent 6 million on Dave kids and he's like listen you're not going to play here go on loan I was like, so I went away with in Inverness to Denmark to, uh, to see what it was like pre-season trip I was like I'll do a week with them to see if I like it or not Went over there, brilliant boys, great bunch of lads Grant Monroe, Ryan Ness, and uh, Paz, was loads of Roy McBain, brilliant guys all there. And we literally had a brilliant week there, training camp, and then went out on the piss, brilliant in them karaoke bar. We were all in the karaoke. I think me man and my were over in the country, they went to watch one of the games, they were in the karaoke bar with us, <laughs> and uh, it was a brilliant feel to us. So yeah, I went up there when I was actually busting to go and sign then, um, It was meant to be alone, and then they wouldn't let me actually go alone because they wouldn't have been in due compensation. So they end up paying a small fee for me and so in three years and went up there thinking, right, I'm going to rip it up in the SPL and score loads of goals. And then, yeah, obviously, reality hits and we we're getting relegated. Like, it was tough.
1: <laughs> Junk in hindsight, that benefited you long-term. I'm going to
0: yeah, massively, yeah, I think it really kickstarted me, I went there initially to try and go, I want, I'd been alone as stuff well. I'd been alone from at like Bury and Chesterfield, the Oval, but I'd gone out and played some games, and I always felt when you're on loan as a young lad, you're kind of, if the team's not doing great, even if you're playing well, you're kind of the, the scapegoat, and you get dropped out, and it's hard when you're alone. so I wanted to go somewhere and kind of play week in, week out, and get experience, and gain experience at that age, and, and just become a regular player, Um, and going there kind of gave me that opportunity, but Obviously, Craig Russo got sacked in the, the midway through the season. Terry Butcher and Morris Malpas came in. It was a similar story to Stoke. And um, new manager comes in, and I, t- I don't think Terry and Morris were really feeling me at the start. To be honest, I didn't play, feature too much under them. Um, got the odd game here and there, but they opted to tent it up with like Dougie Emery up top, or Richie Foreign and people ahead of me. We weren't actually out now forward. So come the summer, I, was, I actually thought I might be having to, to move on and try and find myself a new club. Um, was stuck in there, worked hard and then managed to get in the next season and do very well for the club. But yeah, that next season in the championship really helped me. We played, I think, don't know, got into to the team in around October. I think we played every game from there on in. That was the fourth time I had a proper run of games as a as in my career so far. I can think the benefits
1: of that were massive. What was Teddy Butcher like to work on that obviously everyone knows who he is Probably imagines no, I'm right.
0: Yeah, no, he's funny, yeah. Great guy. He's actually very funny. He used to lose the head like after games, he got nuts, but he was actually a very funny guy as well. Nice fella. Um, got always oh, organized that the lads, were always a tight group, and made sure it was a good group of boys in that dressing room that worked hard and, and had their head screwed on, right? But now, yeah, he used to lose the head. Like Morris Malpass on a Monday morning would say to us, Listen, he'd be down one end of the training pitch having us warm up, and he was like, Mount Vesuvius down there is ready to erupt. Don't anyone do anything to piss him off today. And Everybody just walking on eggshells around the thinking, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's he, funny, like Terry, like he was so passionate, like he lose the game, and he used to have a physio, and um, Fiona, and she used to come in after games. And then after a while, we used to say, If we lose the game or we've been bad, make sure you put anything behind you because she'd always sit in this little icebox, box. So I would say, put anything that's in reach of him behind you so he can't see it, because otherwise <laughs> he'd be kicking and chucking at some. He used to come in and pick bottles up, launch them, it'd be throwing flip boards around, picking pens up and smashing them off the floor. He smashed a permanent marker before off um, from the games off the floor, right in front of Johnny Hayes' face. And all the ink's gone over Johnny's face, and he's in his face screaming. At him. And you can see the ink dripping off his nose, and it's literally Johnny's looking at his ink running off his nose, and Terry Butchers in his face, I used to say, do not even attempt to touch your nose. <laughs> but he, he's mad like, but he's brilliant. He's actually very good, very, very funny
1: guy as well. That's incredible, man. That is so good. Absolutely yeah. petrified to move.
0: Yeah, he's good. Him itself and Mao were very good. Mao had it in him as well. Sometimes Mao would take a heat he'd go, he'd go nut, call himself the angry wee fiver. He he'd go he had mad at it as well. But Mao, oh, he's a very uh dry, very sarcastic fella. But um no, to two of them together were brilliant. actually I love playing under them.
1: And promotion back to the premiership. See, at that point was the team really built around you scoring goals, and it was all sort of geared towards that.
0: Yeah, we had a good link up. Um, myself, Richie and Johnny kind of had a good understanding. There's the three Irish lads who used to do a lot outside of the football together. We used to kick around together. Three three Dublin lads all knew each other well. Richie used to play off one side, Johnny, another. And they both just used to look for me in the box. They used to leave it to me to just go and get myself in the box, get myself free, and then try and get balls into me. That was the kind of understanding. I used to just chase and up top. Terry just wanted me to get get after the fenders, chase balls down. That was in the younger days when I could run channels. But um, yeah, no, we had a good understanding, a good group of lads, good experience. And, and I think it was just the dressing room that got us up that year because I think at one point Dundee were about 15 points clear of us in January and they were massive favourites. They had Harkins, they had um, Lee Griffiths, they had a good squad of players there. They were flying and I think we ground them down. I think we ended up winning the league were 12 points in it. I think we'd done 21, 22 games unbeaten and, and absolutely flying.
1: How good was it for you in terms of settling, having? Like you say Foden and Hayes there with you.
0: Yeah, now to be fair. It's always great when there's a couple of Irish lads there, but even when I went up there force, I was just always caught them out the Scots. I always thought they were great. Very I thought I always fine, very similar to the Irish, like a bit of crack, a bit of laugh, and true. Very outside of football. But yeah, good, good good crack. So I always found it very easy to settle up in Scotland anyway,
1: regardless if those Irish are not there. You seem to love a night out, man. I was watching Cy Ferry's interview with you as well. <laughs> He's stitched you up there. I have a bad, I have a bad
0: reputation for this. They don't know your <laughs> Christmas parties. I think everyone goes on the Christmas party.
1: <laughs> I'm Irish as well, so I like a drink. <laughs> and leaving Inverness, did you have any other options apart from Birmingham?
0: Yeah, I could have went in January to Hibs. Colin Collar would have been onto me, had me down at Hibs. same because the contract was obviously up and um, didn't feel it was right to leave Inverness to go to Hibbs at the time. Um, Crawley had been making moves and going to the league Two at the time with a big, big budget. They were trying to sign a lot of players up. They were on to me. Um, but they mainly came down to Birmingham and Cardiff. And um, Malkey McCoy was at Cardiff at the time. So I spoke to them. To them. And Alex McLeish was at um, Birmingham and opted for Birmingham. Um, the day before I flew over from medical, I got a phone call up my agent and say um, Alex McLeish resigned. So <laughs> the whole day went up in the air and I didn't know what was going to happen for him. 10 days. Could have Crawley were on, pushing for it then. Um, and then Chris Young got on the phone and said, no, listen, I still want to do the deal. So, um, I could have went back to Hibs as well, but Colin Calderwood at the time, I think he just left Hibs and was going into uh, Birmingham as a, as a coach as well, so I ended up linking up with him because I was very impressed with Colin when I met him at Hibs. Uh, really good guy, thought he was a good coach, thought he was a really nice fella, and ended up he ended up being one of the coaches then at Birmingham.
1: And at Birmingham, scoring in the Europa League group stages, how good was that for you?
0: Yeah, brilliant experience. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that first year. I didn't play as much. I didn't play week in, week out, but I got a lot more games than I expected. I went in, they just come down from the Premier League. So, I expected like, to try and buy me time over a year or so and push me way in. Um, Did Ziggage there on massive money who'd come down in the Premier League. Marlon King came in as a forward who was a really experienced goal scorer. And um, we got Chris Wood in alone at the time, loan from I think it was West Brom. He's only a young lad, but he's a very good player. So, I knew I was competing against good players, but we played a lot more than expected. I think it was about 27 games, maybe. I think we did about 27, 30 games. Ago. I think we had 60 that year because of the Europa League games with FA Cup run, with a League Cup run, with so many games in Championship and got to the playoffs. So it was a brilliant season. And yeah, obviously, experience actually playing in the Europa League group stage was amazing. Playing against the likes of Braga, who were here unbelievable, Bruges, Maribor, and then getting a goal in, in the actual group stage was. You know, Big confidence built, Ferrari. Would that have been the year after they'd won the League Cup? Yeah, so they literally yeah. won the League Cup. Really that summer, so they did a bit of a clear though. so they're bringing players in, but they still have a lot of players there and obviously Premier League money and, and they're still a, a massive club and um, attracting good players. So it was, it was a good squad of players we had there. We were unfortunate really enough to get back up.
1: Well, to speak to you about your loan move to Swindon. what's the first of the story that story that comes up to you? I was a million. sorry, Ferry rings me every
0: second week to ask me and remind him of stories. Oh, <laughs> every day, experience with that man. To see the first two or three weeks there, I just thought, you so funny. I thought this was so funny, like the way he goes on, how he is about the place. And then after two or three weeks, sets the world and you think, nah, he's, this is like, nah, you can't be serious how, how, how he goes on about this. Thing. He's, um. And it could be a warm up, and lads be dribbling around the ball, and usually be doing like a Cruyff turn or something. He stopped all the sessions showing it. No, 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 no. Like no, no, that's not not proper. You have to do at this speed. He's doing it. He's doing it at hundred mile an hour in front of you, and doing it and demonstrating stopping people from passing the ball five yards. No, no, no. That's not how you pass the ball like this. And he's showing how people have passed the ball at the inside of their foot. Like him, um, it literally looks like Dave just done it. You know, looking at him, he'd stop. He'd, he'd stop He got the cross and finish sessions to to coach the goalkeeper. The goalkeeping coach would be behind the goal, and he'd go, "No, no, no, like, fuck off, fuck off." And then he'd get in goal, and show the keeper able to save the ball. And then, like a minute later, something happened. The keeper would save, and say, "See, listen to me, God, God, yeah, oh, He said, like, "Madman." You know the tellys he smashed on the wall after. Like we do analysis on a Sunday morning, so we never got a day off. Basically, he'd train Saturday, how you play Saturday. If you won like four 0 and you played really well, he'd say, "Okay, you've done your job. See you Monday." If you drew or you didn't play well, you're in you're in Sunday morning watching videos and then you're out running. But like the videos were like two and a half hours. Everyone had drawn individual clips. So you have a laptop, You had um Fabio, who was his um, assistant, would like open a laptop and you just see your name. And then once you click the name, list the clips from the game cup and you'd just be praying. There's like two or three of them every week. Andy Williams up front. Nicest lad in the world, Run all day. If you never say I'm bad, grass his eyes off. Every time he'd be left last click, you'll see list. Net anything and you'd go through him about how bad a player he was and what he needs to do about anything. But he played every minute, like, so you must have liked him, but he used to hammer him. But you'd just be praying that you'd only like two or three clips because you'd be in there for two and a half hours, him just talking about how, how bad you are and how you need to do things better.
1: <laughs> nuts, like, have you ever seen him
0: like that again? No, no, Terry Butcher obviously used to have the head loss in him after games and could go nuts. The canyon kind of had that in him, all right, but like. Not to the extent, no, to be fair, you can't complain about what you say. We, in terms of that year before he left, I think we were top right. when he left. We ended up finishing out, of, we ended up finishing the playoffs and then lost still But like, I think if he stayed, we'd go up because he is tactically so switched on. And just they knew they had to run, run the ball, off him. you couldn't not run around that pitch as quick as you could because he'd just take it off. He brought me on against Bournemouth, I think it was the year Bournemouth went up, and he went great in the start of the season. He brought me on like 80th minute. I came on and I was at a throw in And then um, they took the throw in and I ran to close man down. They've kicked it long. I've turned it around. The kind of nuts on the sideline. He sends me to and forward. I hear him say, no, no, no. He's not ready. Not ready. Didn't sprint. He sends me to I forward to get warm. I was thinking, I'm getting taken off here because I didn't sprint as quick as he thinks I can. And then about a minute later, I scored my free kick, so I got left on. But literally going to take me off because I didn't sprint for the very first ball. Um, my first game, oh, actually... Yes was the West bothering him getting dragged off after 18 minutes. That's that the best story, story ever,
1: man.
0: He called us in the night before, so I think those five was five was me, like Darren Ward, uh, Giles Coke, someone else, someone else. I think those five was signed basically deadline day. And he calls us in Friday night away. He's kept us back after dinner and says a little bit of clips of how the team plays. He wanted to see. And he says, listen. When you're warming up, warm up full speed. I'll send a physio fitness uh, coach out with you. You warm up full speed. No, no, not with me. None of this half jog, half drag. No, 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 full speed. He said, and warm up from first minute because I'll make subs first half. He said, my record's oh, 22 minutes, I think, and starts laughing. We think, yeah, okay. Literally dragged this wedge him off after like 18 minutes. Puts in like a 17 year old keeper who'd never been on the pitch. <laughs> Mad. Literally nuts. He, yeah, he destroyed the dressing room after that game as well. Really was in his head with it like. Flipped the tables, flipped the physio boards, kicking walls, the lot. Like he had it in him to lose the head. Like.
1: What were the players thinking at that point when he'd done that to
0: Bobbill? You? you see when managers are like, oh, taking him off, nice. Um, nice. He, just, he just said, what is it? It's nuts. Like you think, what are you doing taking your goalkeeper off seven minutes? It like was kind of a fault for the first goal, but it wasn't really all his fault. and. He just had it in his head that West Rodham had lost his head because they got what happened for the first goal. And he's like, no, nah, he's not paying attention. His head's gone. So he dragged him off. Making crazy stuff. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of lads have think as well, though he's done things at times. He thinks to draw attention to himself, that type of thing. So like, oh, look, you've taken the keeper off after 18 minutes. He knows it'll be a talking point if it works and brilliant. So he can't complain about the manager he is in terms of, tactically and and that. But I just think he expects, for that level he was at, League One, he expected lads to literally live like you'd imagine an our lives, to the, like, utmost professional everything. You no know, drink, you don't drink Coke, you don't drink, eat sweets, and I think he expected lads to, that's how dedicated you should be. But he, it's lads playing in League One.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that, I was going to actually ask you that. It seems like he was probably managing below a level that, he was expecting players to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, he
0: used to say, he used to say on the bench, he'd be like, oh, if we were playing badly here we go, oh, no, 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 no. Get me to Barcelona, Real Madrid, please come save me. said, <laughs> 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 what are you? But then he went to Sunderland and had like um top players, like, like John O'Shea, who'd won the Champions League like at United, and stuff like that. And I think he, was, he didn't really change his style so it was still a similar style but you're dealing with top earners there who are on big money you can say to the board no we don't like how we're being treated here and the man manager inside of it and i think that's where i let him down because it, tactically and what he spoke about is like spot on some of the detail he used to come up with he'd be like, yeah and he is spot on what he says but just think about how he went about doing it and the man management side of it is where i let him down like
1: like every story that I hear about the I absolutely piss myself every time. They're just oh, so yeah, entertaining,
0: cool. yeah. And like, even now, he still sweet the sky, and like, every now and again, a new story will pop up that you forgot about. It and he'd just be like, I don't think anyone can understand what it was like to play under him unless you've actually been there and played for him because it's just surreal.
1: Rafa DeVita's been on this as well, and he had some incredible stories about him as well. Yeah.
0: Rafa's a great guy because everyone used to say to Rafa, Rafa, what's he saying? Because he'd be speaking in Italian on the bench and he'd be hammering boys and be like, Rafa, what's he saying about him? <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, he's like, hammering him.
1: <laughs> right, he was saying that as well. He's an absolute legend, Rafa, man. Yeah, great guy, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant yeah, guy. Top man. Very yeah. good football as well. Technically a great lad. Aye, he is. Hmm. Um, signing for Aberdeen, absolute legend there. I had, um, I had Lewis Ferguson on last week. He was saying that as soon as you come off the phone to Derek McInnes, you're going to sign for them with no f's, no bots. Did you get that same feeling?
0: Yeah, he's very, uh, very persuasive. Very when he speaks very well to lads and sells clubs very well, um, he does. He, he, I, I got on very well, Dell, but yeah, you're brilliant. Um, that's why I think a lot of people have gone and signed there have said the same thing. They've said, like, at least you, when you talk to him, you just you're very impressed and, and kind of sells the club to you, you know. Um, well, at the time, I was leaving Oldham, I was going, I had to go to. It was basically between Hibs or Aberdeen um, because Terry Butcher had been in charge of Hibs at the time, I think. So I was weighing up whether to go to Hibs. I think I turned Hibs down three times, to be honest, in my career. I think, I think I've got offered three contracts off them. I think about we four years apart, each contract, I think it was all the same contract. He <laughs> must have just kept pulling over a drawer. Um, but yeah, no, I was very close to going to Hibs. And then I spoke to Derek a couple of times on the phone. And yeah, I was very impressed with him, how he speaks and how he spoke with the club and ambitions and where he's seen it. Terms of my point of view, development, the clubs, how it would work. And yeah, he was very impressive on the phone.
1: (laughs) What sort of things is he saying? Like, Lewis was saying there was probably more like a personal touch in terms of like he'd spoke to his mum and that as well. Did you have anything similar like that? Maybe when he spoke about your family or anything?
0: I hope he wasn't speaking to me, ma'am. Not that I know no. of, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no we just, now he yeah, he just spoke well about uh, his situation, whereas uh, i life lifetimes uh, and misses and get married and had the club to try helping get settled up there. And yeah, just in terms of where I've been at in the last couple of years of my football and how he's in Aberdeen, and helping me back to my best and stuff like that. Yeah, so he does, no, he did, he speaks well. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good, a good guy, like, um, but he does, he speaks very well.
1: And winning the league cup, at Aberdeen. I mean, it's so rare that it happens. It should probably happen a lot more. Um, the club, like the size of the club and that. I know it's difficult to beat the old firm, but that must have been the best day of your career. Forty thousand ah, yeah. Aberdeen fans, you score the winning penalty, Talk me through that.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, because obviously, obviously, just going up there, being on the back of obviously a swing and an issue at contract, that swing, and so I end up not signing there in the end because it was legal side to it. And then I ended up going to, I to Oldham basically kind of just in a bit of a hurry and didn't really suit me. Um, so I wasn't really enjoying my football at Oldham. Um, I wasn't really playing well, scoring a few goals, I wasn't actually playing well. The, the team didn't suit me, I didn't suit the team and I just wasn't enjoying football. And then going to Aberdeen, like literally go in and hit the ground running. I think first game was more well. Scored a rebound, um, got off the market goal. Then the next game was St Johnson away at Town Castle. Those sixteen thousand and I think twelve thousand Aberdeen fans. Just that's when I realised like the size of this club because Johnny Hayes and Willow stuff like that used to say oh, how big the club is and Johnny used to always go on about when he left Denver Ness and went to Aberdeen like you couldn't walk down the street without getting a photo or an autograph. And I like, thought this is Johnny telling stories again, <laughs> but he's actually he's spot on. It is it's such a big club, so well supported and such a good fan base. So. After St. John's game, I realised straight away just how massive this club was. So then when we got to the final and you re- all of a sudden everyone starts telling the club hasn't won a trophy in 20 years, you've not been in the cup final in so long, you start to think, right, there's a bit of pressure on this one now. So to get down to the winning panel and, and the step up to take it was nerve-wracking all right. But the fair was lucky enough that I think we had a bit of leeway and I knew if I missed, you could still win it. So it took a little bit of the edge off it. But yeah, no, it was the the highlight of my career like
1: What's Going through your head at that time when you're going up to take the penalty, you're thinking about off oh, you score this, can become a club legend, or are you just kind of just score,
0: just kind of shitting yourself thinking, Don't miss, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: just thinking, Don't take a stinking penalty, just make sure you get it in the net. And um, you yeah. don't really care how it goes in, but we'd practice penalties all week, like. And I've taken so many penalties in my career, I must have scored 50 by now in my career, like, but. I usually go left or right, very rarely go down the middle. And the only reason I went down the middle is because Ryan Essen was at um, in Vanessa with me. I swear I never scored a penalty when I'm training. I used to go one way, the other way, any time I trained, no matter what way I went, what I'd done, he'd save the penalty. So in my me head, mentally, is going and thinking, I hope he's not on goal for penals. And then he was obviously a goalkeeping coach at the time. I thought, he's going to tell Brill where I'm going here. I'm thinking, shit, myself, something, and just stick it down the middle and hope for the best. So when I went in, it was and to be fair. I can't even actually remember much after like, striking the ball. I just remember hitting the net. Don't, I couldn't have told you where the keeper went. I couldn't have said if you went left or right. I just remember the ball hitting the net and running off.
1: And what to speak to you about the celebrations after that. The dumber night out after that.
0: Yeah, we had a bus journey, didn't we? Um, we had the, obviously, we hung around. I think half the lads were pissed by the time we left the dressing room. Yeah, <laughs> there's bottles of champagne, there's bottles of beer. Lads are straight on it. Everyone's getting excited, going to talk to family in the boxes. Lads are doing interviews and all that side of it. So By the time we left the stadium, you'd probably four or five beers in the last hour. Like, so lads are starting to get on as it is. Um, then we are on the bus. I think, I think there'd been a crash or something. So it's going to take about four and a bit hours to get back up to Aberdeen, which is great because we thought, listen, stay on this bus all night. So it's something back in the Marcliffe Hotel in Aberdeen they'd organised in case we it. So we're getting a bus back to there. And yeah, just the usual on the bus, everyone best singing songs, having a laugh. I think uh, Barry Robson had done something, got fined in the week in the build-up till. So he had to stop off at Tesco on the way and fill up a trolley with drink for us as well. So everyone took great delight in him, spending up 300 quid in the round of drink. Never put his hand in his pocket, that man. So we were all buzzing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, great crack. I think Nicky Weaver was in top form he's a very very funny man uh he was in top form of us scotty and yeah no brilliant tony doc was absolutely steaming the time we got was back it? to the market hotel it must have been half 11 12 or something we pulled up in the sky you know, was cameras there and we we're all pissed and docs walked down on the back hushing everyone, like like lads by now we're all pissed and having a laugh. we're like listen sky cameras are here try and look a bit respectful, yeah and as he says the bus stops and he falls over <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it was a great night. No, I think we all end up in the, we all ended up actually out in Aberdeen that night as well. Um, all hours was my an night family. So my brother-in-law was basically being bodyguards me around around the town trying to get people off and jumping on you to sing and jump on your shoulders Now, I think two of the lads, I think there was a video going around uh, Nicky, Lowe and Joe Shaughnessy at one stage in the back of a policeman. I think they got, they got the back of the policeman open and the police opened open and they are up dancing and singing and like the whole town was packed, rammed. Then we'd obviously this, um, the bus tour through the city as well to celebrate that was incredible. Must have been out 100,000 people,
1: really. It nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you think the team realized at the time just how big an achievement that actually was?
0: Yeah, man, so I think once we got the Celtic Park in the first place, and you're seeing literally just red everywhere. I think it was, I think it was there's 45 or 40 odd thousand happening in there, but all you could see, thinking when I said seven or eight, maybe, but like you could just see red everywhere. And I think on the bus, and I think it was a good idea, Uh, Dale took us down to St Andrews in the week building up to it to get us away from the city. Because he said, oh, you'd be speaking about to everyone. He says, every time we go to Tesco, every time we go to Petrol Station, any time we go to the pub or go for a field, they're going to be talking to you about this cup final. So we'll get away from here for a week. And I think it actually helped because it as you seen the final, wasn't a, a great game, wasn't it? <laughs> we were, I think never just, we it. lost a couple of... We lost Johnny Hayes early on, we missed Peter Paul, and it was a very nervy game. But I think the best thing was getting his way from there, because literally the build-up to the game, we, I think it would have got the better of some of the lads.
1: I want to speak to you as well about the, the partnership between the you, McGinn and Hayes. I mean, that's probably modern-day... Sorry, said that's iconic. What, what was that about that that just clicked so well?
0: Mad, yeah, everyone always asks this, but like, I don't know what it was. It's just we got on really well. We're good friends off the pitch, but I, I was obviously great mates with Johnny for my time at Inverness, and we had always had a good understanding there. I'd never played with Nile, but I knew Johnny was close to him, um, so we went to a provision. We used to go to Fernando's and stuff. we hang around together, but... Just We just got, got on. We just had a good understanding on the pitch. I think they knew what it was good at. I was just good at being in the box, getting, getting free and finding space. And they both happened to just play a game to sit with me. I always said, people say, oh, how do you and Johnny have a great understanding? And I was like, I have a great understanding with Johnny because when he gets the ball, I run away from him and run in the box and leave him to beat three players. And I know he'll do it. So he does it and gets me, just fires the ball in the box to me. Whereas Noel on the other side would just be jinking past people and whipping balls into the right into your head. So it suited me down to the ground. I was obviously confident at the time and you've got lads like that delivering the ball into all every game. It's it's, it's harder not to score. <laughs> um, yeah, but there wasn't anything special. We worked on. we just have a great understanding. It's just, I think you come to certain clubs and you have a good understanding with certain players. It suits each other's game. And when I first came in, I wasn't sure about signing for Aberdeen because I thought, I'd watched him a couple of times when I knew they were interested and I'd seen Scott Evernon playing in front of me. I thought he's brilliant. I thought, he's, he's been excellent for them. I thought, I'm not going to get into this team. Um, but when it came, Tony Dock said to me, listen, we've got players who can hold it up. We've got players who want to come short and link to plays. Like, no one wants to just get in that box. So we think you would want to do that. Yeah, let's see me down to the ground. So we had a great understanding. but it was mainly just the fact that Johnny had gone by two or three players and we the ball where I wanted it. And then the other side, you had doing the exact same thing. So <laughs> it was perfect.
1: And you were part of the Aberdeen team. But it's probably the closest that any, any team's come to... Sort of winning the league over the old firm. How how close did you run them? Then I mean it must it must be devastating to kind of fall it. It was we fell away
0: near the very end. I mean once it came to the the um, split, but I think up to around January, February time we we're going strong, we were looking good. I think it was just down a couple of bits. Unfortunate. Look, I don't think Celtic were very strong that year. they were a bit up in the air, I think, they're lacking a bit of confidence at the time, and I think they are a bit nervy, the fact that we were on this run and we were doing well and pushing them, which they were not used to from someone outside, the Rangers obviously weren't there, so I don't think they were expecting such a title challenge. Um, I think Danny Ward getting taken back, killed us a little bit. Wardie had been brilliant for us that year. He'd been such a good keeper. I think the whole back line is just full of confidence with him behind them, um, keeping a lot of clean sheets and looking very solid. And then I picked up an injury, I think, of 20 goals, by February I was flying I was confident I was doing well and then I done my quad in a training session just before we played St Johnson I think and thought it might be a week or so and it ended up being it was going to be six seven eight weeks and um, then I came back from that and redone the force game back and I was out for the rest of the season basically I was pushing to try and get in the Irish court at the time so I came back probably a week too early and ended up redoing because you know, I helps they're trying to get an international cap but um, I think if we had a kept Wardy that year and I hadn't stayed injury free, we would have went a bit closer than I'd end up being. But um problem with Celtic was Celtic always had players that could in a tight game could put one in from 25, 30 yards. Um, I think it was that year, I think was it I remember watching the game, I think Beaton against Kilmarnock maybe put one in from about 35 or 40 yards in the 92nd or third minute. I remember being in the home dressing room, I think they had an early kickoff. It's when we we're going close, and I think he scored from last game about 30 yards I think and everyone was like oh, just deflated everyone and we may have went out and drawn the neck that game and then we started to fall away. And once you've actually they've got momentum again in full steam it's hard to actually capture them.
1: think that will ever happen in our lifetime. in our lifetime somebody beat the road for yeah, never
0: know because like, football changes very quickly. I, I think it's very, very, very difficult to get near them just because of resources. And that When you look at them, the Champions Eight, they go out and they get pumped 5-6-0 by the top, top clubs and people say, oh, look at the, the golf. And you think, yeah, but their budget's 10 times that. similar when you come to Scotland. Celtic round their budget's 10 times everyone else. Or so it's very hard. Like we had Ryan Christie online um, one season and he's probably our best player. And then we play yeah. Celtic and couldn't play him because he was playing against his own club, and then you've all of a sudden your best player can't even get into their squad. So, like <laughs> that's the difference. It's you, tailored, you know, yeah. It says, Oh, look at Leicester, how Leicester done here, but there's a reason they're 5,000 to 1 to do it because it very, very rarely happens. Oh, no. Of course, it can happen at football, and can, but it's just it's just the difference in, in terms of squad depth. You they have they've probably ranges and so they probably have 18, 19 players who can all start. Whereas Aberdeen might have at that time, we probably had 13 who might start. You pick up a couple of injuries, all of a sudden you've got your team and then you've got squad players. So it's it's very difficult. Especially, I think we could have done better in a couple of the cups in the following years, but then again, we were up against Brendan Rogers, Celtic side the invincibles, whatever you want to call them, they were they were unbelievable, they were a different level them. They all knew their jobs, they all had a way of playing. We tried also at the end. We tried sitting deep, soaking her up. Then some Rogers would score 25 yards. That killed your game plan. You try and press them high up the pitch and that they'd pick you off in pockets and they'd go in behind you and did Griffiths would score or then Bele would score.
1: Not
0: you tried to man mark them. We man marked them one game. The left winger, I think, thinks Scott Sinclair ended up over in the right wing or right wing, right back's going over with him. And they're teeny bombing down the line. So it's like <laughs> they had he had answers to all the questions you could ask them. And did that many players that could score a goal from 25, 30 yards? It loads of them that could hit a ball. Which is a massive attribute because it means if you are sitting in, making it difficult for them, they still have lads who can score in 25, 30 yards. Whereas if some lads, if some teams can't have anyone that can strike a ball from distance really, you can sit in, you can make it difficult, you can it up and defend the crosses. But
1: the amount of times I think Rogic scored against us in the last year is incredible. See, so just on what you're saying about the international caps, I'm I'm honestly baffled as to the fact you've never had one because the amount of goals that you've scored. I mean, I think nowadays
0: you'd probably be a stack on for one, but then maybe go to sport. Yeah, possibly before have got in, but the fair is up <laughs> at the time it was kind of kicking around the squad. I think they had like Robbie Keane, Kevin Doyle, Shane Long, who was playing week in, week out in the Premier League. So they do that lads there as well, you know. So I'm, I'm realistic as well. I realise I was playing the Scottish League when I was up against lads who are playing the Premier League in England, and it's just it's a different level in terms of the standard you're at. So it's realistic, but I think that year when I got injured would have been my chance because literally every forward and the whole of Ireland was injured at the time and then there was two friendlies coming up and I think Johnny might have made his debut in the games and I done my quad and I tried to get back for the next set and I said I I need to play before the squads announced so I can get picked for it and then came on against Mulderwell scored feeling great pushed off and quad went again like oh that's me done I think that then two games I would have got capped because there was no one else really that could have at the time was pushing for a spot so that was probably the opportunity to get capped but wasn't to be. It was great to be involved in the squads, but I'm also realistic that I don't think I was ever at the level that's going to be leading the line for Ireland every week. I
1: think it's probably a case of Ireland were just a lot stronger, like you say, but those strikers they had maybe they are now. Yeah,
0: at, at that time, yeah, I think the Irish squad a few five, six years ago, so was probably a lot stronger than it is at the minute. Yeah. Um, you see the forwards who are there now. Good players, but there's probably more of a chance of pushing and trying to ask questions of getting in there now. Then five, or six years ago when you had the likes of Robbie Keane and Kevin Doyle, Shane Long, even Dave McAldrick, people like that who were all playing at a very high level and playing good for John Walters. So you'd, you'd play as you know, well-established international. So we actually had a
1: very strong forward line. What would you say was the best team that you played with at Aberdeen? What year?
0: I don't know. It was a very good deal. They've done a very good job of turning players over. And Because when you lose some players, you'd always find someone like Remember, I think I'm not sure what Madison was in and he got he went to we Thought he was very good, he got Christian alone again. And then he went, thinking, you thinking know, thinking, and he brought young Lewis Ferguson in. Then when you think, oh, he looks a so player like and Kenny McLean, it it loads it probably that first year was very strong. You had Russell Landis and Mark Reynolds at the back. Um, Shay had obviously come in, Andy Constant left back. Johnny used to play left back sometimes he would Willow Barry Robson Ryan Jack in the middle of it. I don't think Jack was even playing week in week out then he was excellent as was a young lad but I think Willow and Rob would play ahead of him sometimes then he had Niall Peter Pollock that season was unbelievable he was in great form that, that number of years Johnny probably that fourth year possibly he was the strongest but then you look at the players that have come in after and and, and gone on to do great things which Kenny McLean Jacko established himself and became regular skipper of Rangers just then, even Scotty Wright has gone on to do very well. There's some great players who've come through that squad in the last six, seven years. Really great number of players. So I think he's done a great job every year kind of replacing ones he was losing. But um, there's only so long you can do that for.
1: And in terms of leaving Aberdeen, when did you start kind of thinking about leaving or realising that your time was up?
0: It was only really towards the back end of the season when Sam Cosgrove would come in. Um, up to then it'd always been the main striker. Um, since my time there, and he'd always, to be fair to that, he'd always brought in competition. And there's not with competition. He'd always he brought in Stevie May. I think we were desperate to get him for a number of years, so he'd come in. Jade and Stockley'd come in. Um, who else? he would come in. All players, and the thought to fight for my position, and we always held his position because they always reduced the goals. Um, regardless, um, Nicky Maynard had come in, so. I think the longer you're at a club, I think people start to look at you and see what you don't do for the side rather than what you actually do contribute. Um all my time, I was always a goal scorer. That was always my job, goal scorer. I think as it developed and went along, I think we lost. I think the big turn point was really when we lost Johnny Hayes to Celtic and Niall went to So Cree went there. They were my main they were my main assets. They, they gave me the service. I relied on them basically. And I think as they left and we brought in other players like Gary McCoy-Steven, who was a different type of player, I think they wanted to probably need more of a forward that was more of a link man or one that would come in and drop in and link the play up. And that wasn't, listen, I deal with now, i more experience and I've had to deal with for the last number of years, so I'm better at now. But at me t- the time then, that wasn't my strength. My strength was being in and around the box, getting in there, getting free and scoring goals. So I think when we were trying to change our system, it didn't really suit me as much. And then when you brought Sam Cosgrove in, I've obviously found myself on the bench a lot more. I think I'd only started two games from February until the end of the season that year, and I thought I'd come starting 95% of the games to all of a sudden I'm looking to get on for 10 15 minutes of games, and I thought I deserved more than that because we was still scoring goals and, and I was getting an opportunity. So, um, yeah, just towards the back end, I was getting to, I must have been coming up to the 30 at the time, I just thought. 30 in football is a number of people who just start to think right after you hit 30, you're only second to get offered one year contracts here and there. You it's a struggle to get in more than that because people use your age, regardless of how fit you are. Johnny Hayes is probably still one of the fittest players in the world now, and i uh, he's probably still getting offered one year contracts because just because of age. So um brother had gone through a bit of a health problem. He'd he's battling cancer and stuff, and I just thought, listen, I want to enjoy my football. I didn't know how many years I left. I thought I'd had a good run, I'd been playing since the 17. Uh, and we have two trees left and we have 10 I don't know but I just thought I want to go for the next couple of years and enjoy my football playing week in week out and going somewhere where it would actually kind of similar to what I'd done at Aberdeen because that was the most enjoyable time of my career was Aberdeen so I thought if I could find a club where I can kind of replicate that success then that'd be brilliant didn't want to leave Aberdeen obviously very close with all the lads there still speak to a lot of, them. Still speak a lot of people at the club we have a lot of friends outside of football. We lived out in Ellen, a little town in Aberdeen. Used to love it. Used to love going into the local pub the weekend, having a few beers, having chats with everyone. Chipper, with everyone. Brewdog dogs down the, down the road for me. Used to love popping in there on a Sunday and taking the dog for a walk there. But yeah, we loved, loved living in Aberdeen. It's a family, yeah. So with loads of friends, but didn't really want to go. But in terms of football, I was just, oh, listen, it's at this stage. If I don't move now, then who knows in a year's time, I may not play much and I may resent the club. And I didn't want to go down that route.
1: Yeah, and moving to Sulphur, that was an absolutely massive thing at the time. Were you surprised at
0: that? Yeah, didn't expect it to be anything like that. Looking back now, i probably not surprised. I should have actually expected a bit because I was obviously one of the main lads at Aberdeen at the time, and to leave to drop to the National League was probably a big thing. All right, but at the time for me, as I say, Gary ne- Derek actually rang, uh, spoke to me first day of pre season, came back, and I'd obviously had these doubts in my head. and I was going to speak to him and said, Gary Neville was on the phone for you. I hadn't a clue what he was on about, I didn't even know, I forgot, I hadn't even watched Class 92, I, I think I'd seen one episode once by chance, but yeah, no, he's asked and and he's like, oh, he's asking about you, I was like, oh, right, he says, yeah, no, we told him, listen, yeah, one of our main lads, now. You're, you're not available, I was like, oh, grand, I thought nothing of it, and then he came back in about a week, 10 days later, and everything that he said, it was something to think in my head, then my agent got on and said, listen, would you speak to him, Gary never wants to speak to you, desperate to speak to you, and Aberdeen were kind of open to letting me speak to them. So once that happens, you're kind of aware that, right, there's probably an opportunity here. To, Aberdeen may think, right, we get some money. And if he's not going to feature as much as possible, then he may want to move on. You know, Derek was very good to be fair when I was leaving. He said, listen, I'm going to take some flack for letting you go. He says, because what you've done for the club, how much you play, you're one of the main lads, a big, big fan's favourite. I'm going to take some abuse for this. But he says, I also understand you want to go and play. And a good deal there. And... and and Go and get a two or three year contract at your age is very good as well. So he we said, Listen, I'm not going to stand in their way if it's, it's something you want to do. Like,
1: I what people were probably no recognizing at the time is that's just wasn't it any sort of like non league team? They were on a proper journey at that time, eh?
0: Yeah, the, the people behind are like it's basically the, the old you know, like United legend team, isn't it? Like the, the Nevilles and Bo, Skulls, and Geeks at the time, and then Beckham obviously got on board when I was there. So, like, the people behind you know, when you speak the A Neville and the, the vision for the club that you have and they're, they're probably actually behind where they want to be at the minute just because last couple of years have been stuck in Lake 2, but, like, when I was going there, the plan was, was a three or five-year plan, three to five-year plan to be in the championship, which was incredible, like, you know. um. So, the idea was, when I was going there, was to kind of go, like, game to Aberdeen won a cup and kind of put myself in the history books for the club, was go to the Salford and help get them up into the... The Football league for the first time in our history, and thankfully it worked out in that fourth year. We managed to do it through the playoffs. No, but yeah, no, it's a great experience going having them people at the games. And when you look across, and Neville and Nikki Button Paul's just sitting watching their game, it's a bit surreal because you go, as, as a group as a United fan, was a kid. I don't support many more, but as a, as a kid, as a United fan, mad United fan. So it was nuts to have them, and then you have Roy Keane there at games as well, and people watching the games. So,
1: what were they like as guys around the place?
0: Didn't see too much, to be honest. You always seen Gary. Gary was always involved. He'd be down the training ground speaking to um Chris Casper, who was kind of a director. He used to float around at the training ground, but he'd be down the other time speaking to him. He'd chat to the lads, very friendly. Didn't really get involved too much in the football side of it, just general chat, see how everyone was, say you're doing well. That was it, really. He'd be at all the home games. He'd be always there at home games, you'd see him. Um, some away games, he'd turn up, I think he turned up a, he played Sutton away in the, in the league, won the first few games down in London. And I remember looking over and he's at a game that really, really takes it serious. <laughs> because people always say it's all just a, a hobby for them, but he's right. really, really involved. The rest of the margin so much there to go to the games, but you wouldn't see him in and around the club as much. I think it's more Gary's just can't let it go. He's just so involved in it. Um, Sorry, what we you I was just going to say, Ryan gigs, popped down once, have a chat with the lads in the training ground, just have a little general chat about lads doing stuff in the community and stuff like that, but yeah, the rest of them, didn't, you'd see them at games, but it was mainly the playoff final, then we bumped into them all. When we won the playoff at Wembley and Beckham had been involved, but then I was injured, so I got to meet them all in the tunnel beforehand. Um, But then afterwards then we went back to Beckham's bar, so Beckham has a bar where, I think it's Guy Ritchie, it's right in the middle of Westminster, like a little pub, Um, so we all went back there and the live mules is gone. We're all back in the bar, all celebrating, we're having chats with Beckham and gigs and skulls. That was a bit surreal, like everyone That's amazing, all,
1: man
0: everyone desperate for a fault with
1: Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> what was he like? That's that just sounds amazing. Yeah, he Beckham. he's class. Beckham's just a hero, isn't he? Legend.
0: What ah, like, yes.
1: a lovely, lovely
0: fella. And he was his kids were actually there as well in the pub. They were leaving because he was having a few beers. And I remember later on in the evening, like, um, one of the kids came out and I was like oh, the driver's here to take take the kids away. because like, oh, we're going to go. And it's like, oh, Harper wants to stay with you. And he's like, oh, would you not, you want to go with your brothers? And she's like, no, I want to stay with you, dad. And he's like, I can tell you it's devastated. He wanted to crack <laughs> on the beers. So you have to look after the okay. little guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, was, oh, it was just a mad moment like sitting around having a few beers, chatting to like Skulls and Beckham and like you bought in the Nevels and stuff and people like you hear, like literally hear, us was used to go and watch them as kids and your dad taking me over to watch him of Low traffic I remember watching them like, and then, He'd be sitting in a pub having a few beers with them, Cyrillic.
1: Like. What was it like? Always having the TV cameras following you around the like, training and the games and stuff when those documentaries were coming out.
0: Yeah, we used to lads. You know, lads are like, you just give it. Used to give the cameraman a bit of sticks. We had to, to edit out a lot of stuff. <laughs> <had to> be <laughs> and saying stuff that he knew he couldn't actually use. He'd be saying words he couldn't use, and you know, he couldn't use that bit. So he'd just say something. Um yeah, it's great they, they do the show very well, It's funny though, it's like it's so edited, like because when I yes, went down, the, yeah. they came I went down and um I must have been there. Honestly, I want to say I signed the end of July I began, beginning the vlogs. I think, was the time the season kicked off and um my missus she was she at the end of September. But we came and filmed in my house then. They wanted to do a bit. They used to go to the lads' houses and film and ask them some questions with the in their house and they filmed it with me and the missus in the house. But they done it as in like as if it was before the season started. So they'd ask questions like oh, looking forward to the start of the season and then they'd have to be like, oh yeah, looking forward to the first game, you know, it's here now, season's here, and then it got to him missing. And he's like, And do you get nervous? And she'd be like, Yeah, no, because obviously they had a good win last week, and he'd be like, Oh, you can't say that because with the season hasn't started, yeah. So then, like, we had to put the baby out in the hall, like asleep, because the baby is probably a month old. so I was like, get the baby see, put in the hall, leave the baby out there and like pretend like she was you in like a few weeks <laughs> and then we would change my t-shirt and we'd, i'd get the kids changed and there's and then bring the baby and it's like oh like it's two or three months into the season now it's going well and he's we got goals
1: <laughs> that was just, a man. You
0: know, it's mad yeah so like some of the games you're watching the i watched my team like that happen like i'm like that, that didn't even play in that game and you'd have one of them ranting in the background and saying this is, you keep playing that much <laughs> But the edit it very well, but it, it's fairly spot on to what it is like, but it's just it's some some parts of our editors to make it more entertaining. let's say.
1: Mate, you've absolutely ruined that program. <laughs> I thought it was class, man.
0: It is, it's been it, most of it is spot on most of it is like what what actually happens, but it is parts of our editors that are like like that the different stages of the season and that you might have people saying things where it may have been two months previous they might have said or two months after they might have saying and be covered back in. It's a Celtic TV, isn't it? It's what they do. That's true, that's true. How do you look
1: back in your time at
0: the club? Yeah, it's all, Yeah, great time, yeah. Really did enjoy it because obviously you have to come from Aberdeen and, and going to a new club and it's obviously a completely different set. If you go from Aberdeen where you've probably got two and a half thousand away fans going to watch against St. Johnson. and when you're playing at home against someone for a South the National League you've got maybe 18, 19, 2,000 fans. So you've gone, you're going to play in a Celtic park, 60,000, all of a sudden you're going to play in a, a gateshead where it's it's like a, a running track and there's like four or 500 fans so it was just it was adapting to that side of it but actually in terms of the club there's great brilliant group of lads great dressing room that's what brilliant like the best thing about it was a lot of them had come up from lower league so some of them used to have proper jobs and stuff like that. so they were so down to earth and honest and just hard working with a great group of boys got really well the man jack graham alexander and skip got on really well with them um yeah, no, enjoy playing football, scoring goals, and we're winning most weeks. So it's when you're winning a game and scoring, it's, it's hard not to enjoy it.
1: And on to the present now, obviously still playing. I want to ask you about your, your soccer school. What made you want to start that?
0: I was just um, in the summer I had an injury towards the back end of the last season. So we had been promoted and um, with Saudi Hull had another year. We didn't go up and then I had an ankle operation due to get a bit of bone taken out of my ankle. It's the first operation i ever had wasn't anything big, but it set me back in terms of pre-season. and some sort of our clubs, and then I was trying to settle what to do, because I could have went back to Ireland for the last two or three years. Um, clubs back in Ireland, wanted me to go back there and play. Um, And then me and my missus always thought we'd go back to Ireland, but, but the kids are settled kind of where we are here in Saudi Hall. We really like the area, and the kids really enjoy it. My eldest is football daft. He's literally, he trains more than me. But he's in all the clubs. He's you in know, like the Wolves, Villa, West Brom, all them. He's he trains with them all the week, and he loves his football. And we're thinking, kids are really settled here, so we're gonna stick around for another few years, and and probably end up. We could end up settling here. So um, didn't want to set me moving around again. And then I thought I may look at like going part time, um, because you can still play a decent level down here. Part time football is still a good standard in the league I'm in, um, and do something on the side. It allows me to settle down. So for going forward in the future for when I do after to retire. So it's just it's basically looking at the on that. I could have stayed full time, but it was to say full time with clubs, all the clubs were like two and a half, three hours away. There's a lot in Scotland wanting me to go back up to Scotland, but I didn't want to shift the family up there. As I say, we get past certain age, only get offered one year contracts. I didn't want to be going taking the whole family up to Scotland for a year and then possibly in a year's time having to move up to me again. So instead of moving and travelling around a lot of said we'll settle here and I'll we'll find a club locally that I can that I can play for. So it happened to work out well and then the, the soccer skills was basically coaching coaching kids coaching wherever some adults teenagers whatever any age mainly doing one-to-one and stuff like that at the minute trying to help them develop their game and and that's sort of it. i'll eventually open up a proper skill where every week until we'll have large groups of kids in but you need the proper coaches in to help you do that and so i wouldn't want just to just do it just for the sake of making money i would rather make sure i have it set up properly for doing that so yeah that's just something to do on the side and, and for going forward in the future really
1: is that something that you want to do in the future my big one is in your coaching as well
0: yeah well, well ideally yeah that's what I'd like to do I'm doing my badges I've got my B I'm going to start my A now in January and um, I've had nearly had opportunities in the last couple of months where I've had people that possibly have me as a, a player coach role, but it didn't happen but yeah not something I'm going to do in the future I'd like to go into coaching I'd like to go into management I wouldn't really like to go into coaching <laughs> I like the idea of coaching, but really see if you have a good coach which is, you can be a manager. Everyone wants to be a manager, don't you? Ah, that's true, that's true. Everyone plays championship manager. You don't want to be a coach, you want to be a manager. So but it's a tough gig, like so. I
1: was gonna ask you as well. You just touched on it there. but you're saying about the teams who have wanted to sign you in Scotland. Was that premiership teams?
0: Uh there's a couple of talk, a couple of premiership clubs are really interested, kind of, but um that was uh, yeah, that was. True, mainly because um, Graham Alexander was at um, Motherwell I kept in touch with Graham but it was only as I said that may have been more of a coaching type role if it happened Um, obviously that didn't go too well for him and Skip in the end which is a surprised because I actually had done a very good job there um, but yeah there um, there's a lot of championship clubs on as well quite a lot and to be fair I wasn't really distracted I didn't even speak to a lot and I just said listen of, I'm not going to move back up to Scotland because I know what the kind of financial way of it is and it, it wouldn't be financially difficult to mill my whole family up and I'm not that one that'll travel and leave my kids and all at home. That's right. that's what I wouldn't do. So well
1: Adam, thanks a lot for coming on mate. It'd been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. No
0: problem. Pleasure. anytime. time. Another seven months.